Hey good people, this is your N.I. Dom, back with another reflection, and this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So hey, I have a few intersecting things on the brain, um, and I I feel like I want to make them all connect by this notion of being transracial. Transracial. I haven't even looked that up. It's not a, I'm not going to say it's not a word because I have a feeling if I Google it, somebody has already talked about it, but it's just not a word that I hear. So how I talk about being transracial is going to be completely out of my pocket. <laughs> um, so I, I, I believe I want to land there. I want to land at being transracial, but that's not what this project is about. It's not about where I land It's about where I start. Uh, so let me tell you specifically what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about uh, friendships in predominantly white spaces. I'm thinking about my personal need for friendships. And I'm thinking about the role of culture and spirituality. Mm, I don't know if I want to say the role of culture, but... The presence of culture, I like that better. The element of culture, there it is. The element of culture and spirituality. That's that's it right there. <laughs> so those three things, let me see if I can say it again because I don't have a, a list in front of me. Um, friendships in predominantly white spaces. My personal need for friendships. And... The element of culture and spirituality. Those are the three things that are I'm starting with, and I'm going to say that my disclaimers. Uh, one second, let me do a little bit of housekeeping. If you're noticing, I have um, been kicking out some reflections. I think I've done one a day now for the last three days. Yeah, so today would be three days in a row that I've done one. So today is Sunday. I did one Sunday, Saturday. And Friday, I believe. And then I did one on Wednesday. And then I did one on Sunday. So I've kicked out several this week. Um, and so this is how I started the project. You know, anytime something hit me, I was recording. I would hit the record button. But, um, but in the last two seasons, yeah, nope, at the end of season two, and then season three, and now we're ending season four. I was trying to hit a deadline. So at the end of season two, the deadline was 100 episodes. Like I had decided that we're going to do 100 episodes for season two because I did 100 episodes for season one. That was a lot. That was during the start of the pandemic, during the shutdown. I need to keep talking like that. And so then for season three and four, I was like, okay, we'll do 50. And so I, I don't believe I'm going to make 50 episodes by the end of June. Um, I have like 11 days left. I probably could do it. And I'm going to probably try to do it. But then there's another part of me that says just extend it into July. But I really do want to have some time where I go dark. Like I just shut it down because outputting is really helpful for me. 
But there's something else that happens when I don't allow the outputting. And it, and those reflections are like trapped in my body. A, a different type of output results. So there is an output, but it's not a verbal one. It's, um, it's not verbal and it, it ends up being production. And I need to do some production. So um, I've been thinking even a little bit about the relationship between just this project, the second project, and my um, my motivation as it relates to output. And so I should probably do a reflection on that. I don't want to fall into a rabbit hole. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you that I'm aware I'm starting to kick out more episodes uh, significantly is about um, trying to meet my deadline for the end of June to have 50 for 50 episodes for season four that started in February. February to June, I wanted to do 50 episodes. I think I can pull it off, but it's going to mean I'm going to be kicking out a lot. And it also means that you need to give yourself permission <laughs> to um, listen as you as you need to. And in July, as I go dark, if 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 all goes according to that plan, then you'll have reflections to listen to into July. Um, so don't feel compelled to consume them as I release them. I also believe I'm in high production because I, I'm just coming out of the abyss, right? So there was so much compacted in me. I talked about that in the ab- abyss episode. And it's starting to break up. It's starting to break apart. And now these reflections are coming out of out of the abyss. So I think that's as actually, it actually works, right? The abyss is breaking apart. It's, things are coming out of that and I'm trying to meet my deadline. So just wanted to give you guys um, a heads up because you, you could be like, dang, this lady has a lot to say. Yes, <laughs> I do. But I'm also trying to meet a deadline. If you are new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, pushing those two systems together. I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as being an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years, and half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I um, lean into tenets of what's called critical race feminism. It's not a real popular framing, um, but it is out there. And uh, basically that means I have an intellectual sensitivity to power as relating to social constructs in the social world, such as race, class, gender, and sexuality. Maybe I should do an episode on Critical race feminism, but I've done that on my primary, my dominant podcast, my primary podcast. And so I sometimes the line between the two podcasts gets blurry. And that actually excites me when the line gets blurry between the two podcasts, because that means I'm growing into an integrated self. Because I think the second podcast is where I'm able to speak out more of my truth, whereas in my primary podcast um, that's connected to my profession, there are a lot of restrictions and codes and standards in terms of what is acceptable 
um, topics, um, treatments of topics. And in this podcast, I don't have, I'm not governed by any of those, uh, any of those standards. Only thing that governs me is my own sense of, um, need and, um, my own standards. Um, and so I feel like this second podcast gets more of me, gives them authentic me. And also because it's an alias, right? I don't have to worry about offending people. I can just talk about whatever I want to talk about and have to worry about, oh, am I going to hurt somebody's feelings? You know, even though sometimes I am mindful that one day it'll, it'll come to light. Those two podcasts will merge. And so anyway, that was a rabbit hole. But yeah, <laughs> so I, I don't, I, I, I probably won't, I don't, I'll think about doing an episode on critical race feminism in the second podcast. This project is unedited and is unscripted. If you want to know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at youranidom.wordpress.com. Okay, under 10 minutes. But I did some housekeeping in there, so okay, y'all. I'm holding myself accountable. Um, so I want to do a little bit of storytelling and then try to go back to those three things that I said were on the brain. Let me see if I can recall them because I do not have them written down. Um, friendships in predominantly white spaces. Um, what do I need in friendships? What do I need in a friend or with friends? And then, um, the essence of culture and spirituality. Um, I, and I think some of this is going to be an overlap. So, you know, you, you guys know when I'm, I hit the record button and I start processing, right? And then I have these little, um, points of randomness that come up as, as essential and as a part of whatever it is that I'm exploring. Something will open up in my mind. I'll go, Oh, let me tap, let me grab that because talking about that helps me to get to where I'm going in the conversation. All right, well, sometimes, not sometimes, oftentimes, those little random points end up becoming their own reflection later on. And so I may say something as a, as a, as in route to something else. And then a week later, days later, that thing that I said in route to something else captures my attention. And then I want to go deeper into that thing. I think that's what's happening this morning. That's also when I go, I said this already. I know I said this already. All right. So this is one long ongoing conversation with myself and with you. Um, so that, I think that's why these themes kind of overlap or interconnect. So in the show notes, and by the way, I never tell you about the show notes, but season four, I've done a really good job. And I think season three, that every time I publish, I give you some show notes. I'll say, in this reflection, I am working through X. And then I start saying, and here are the supporting things. These are the things that came up in route to me exploring that thing. And then I end with typology, just in case there are people who are coming to me strictly because they're interested in how I uh, use typology in my own personal development and my growth. All right, so I kind of do all of that. I've been doing that consistently for season four, I believe. 
I think that's consistent for season four. I have to go back and see when did I lock in those um, notes. Like so, I've, for the most part, I've done show notes. Um, I think season two. I think season two, I, I, I wasn't as committed. I have a bunch of episodes in season two that I did not have show notes for. But season one, um, definitely season three and season four, I got better. I think I've done show notes for every episode in season four. Anyway, check those out. I never talk about it, but um, check it out. So I think what I'm, why I'm lingering here, because I'm, I'm, I'm realizing I'm realizing this. I'm trying to act like I'm telling you something. What I'm, what's, what's really happening is I'm telling myself something. So when I write, okay, in this, it's like a, the main point of the reflection. In this reflection, I explore. In this reflection, I am considering. In this reflection, I'm trying to figure out, like I'll start off that way. And then I say supporting themes. These are the themes that came up. What I'm realizing now that in those supporting themes that I list, they linger in my brain and then I'll find myself wanting to unpack a supporting theme and go deeper into that. So that's all. That's all. So yesterday, I believe I'm, I, I mentioned, um, um, I think the last two episodes I mentioned that I'm in conversation. I'm in the, in, in several voice communities. Um, I'm in two active voice communities right now. I've been talking about one of those voice communities. There's an app where people can come in and we share voice messages. Um, that's primarily how we communicate. I leave a voice message. Somebody listens to that. I leave, I leave a voice message at eight in the morning. Somebody listens to that voice message maybe at 11 o'clock in the morning and then they respond. I hear it maybe at 11 o'clock at night, that night, and then I listen to it and I respond. And so it's this ongoing conversation that's really cool because we can engage in that whenever we want to. It's also like a podcast. So like you listen to, you hit a play button and listen to me talk. It's very similar. So I'm in the community with other people leaving these voice messages. And so I'm listening. I'm taking in content. Why it's better than a podcast for me is that there's engagement. So I listen to someone, they say an idea, then I can I respond to that idea or something comes up in my mind, um, some randomness that will come up in my mind. I'm like, oh, when you talked about X, it made me think about Y. And then we just, it's like a an exchange of ideas. And so for people who like to think and who love ideas, it is just awesome. You're not just taking in content, you're doing output and then there's a back and forth. And I created a voice community Back in 2019, I believe, or 2018. Can't remember when. May have been 2009. Nope, it was 2018. I don't know. <laughs> but I created a, um, a, a voice community for NI Doms. And that's was primarily because I, that was at the start of being very interested very interested in introverted intuition as a driving function. And I think once I, once I realized, so when I first got introduced to cognitive functions, because I was into the Myers-Briggs framework 
long before I got into cognitive functions, right? I think most most people have that experience. We learn about the traits of cognitive function, I mean, of Myers-Briggs, the four-letter code, INTJ, and then you discover these cognitive functions. So it's not really anymore about me being INTJ. I think about myself as N-I-T-E-F-I-S-E. Those are my four preferred preferred cognitive functions. Okay. So I think when I first got into those cognitive functions, I think I was really interested in FI. Because I think the N and then T in the four-letter code gave me opportunities to explore intuition and thinking. And as a matter of fact, I explore thinking more than I explore intuition. But when I got into the cognitive function, I realized that feeling was in my stack. So that's the that's what's misleading about the four-letter code, strictly. You don't, you don't, if you're new to the Myers-Briggs system, you'll just look at those four letters as influencing your, your, um, your personality, and they do, but you don't really understand that last letter, the J and the P. You don't really understand what that J and P, people misunderstand that. Because like I have J in my, in my code, but really my dominant function is a perceiving function. It's a P, it's a perceiving function. What that last letter means in the Myers-Briggs system is who do I give who do I, what do I present to the world when I'm interacting in the world? And when I'm interacting in the world, I'm J, judging. <laughs> Not judging like that, but okay, there's a little bit of that. But to this point about pod, to this point about podcast number one, podcast number two, podcast number one, it's all about the J. That's a really good connection I'm making right now. It's all about the J. It's how I am impact, uh, impacting what's going out and how it's going to land in the outer world and how it's going to interact in the outer world. That's not what I'm primarily concerned about here. I'm in this, when I hit the record button, I'm actually going inward. There's outputting. I am aware. I cannot. There is, there is J happening, but it's less J than when I'm in podcast number one. Because what I'm doing now is I'm going inward and I'm trying to give preference to that dominant perceiving function of introverted intuition. And I'm trying to relax and let whatever comes up, come out. Like trying not to regulate myself. And I do, I'm much better at it now. But when I first started, it was hard. I was embarrassed by it. Like, oh, it sounds so, like one lady told me um, that she's a YouTube uh, con- uh, content generator. I can't think of her name right now. She's an INFJ. She does what's called type talks. And one time she did give me some feedback. She's like, I enjoy listening to your stream of consciousness. And when she said that, I was like, Ooh, I didn't, it made me a little uncomfortable, but that's what it sounds like. Right. That's what I have to be okay with. But in terms of now interacting with people, like I, I, that's another thing I, I think about, like how much emphasis do I want to put in this project in terms of growing it? Because I've had a couple of people who've contacted me. It's like, you can grow your project. I can, but then I don't know if I'm going to be able to sit in it where I sit in it now. 
Because once I really focus on growing it, I become more, I'm going to be now focused on outer world. I'm going to be more J. And that's contrary to what I'm saying I'm doing here by preferencing my dominant function. I don't know if that makes sense. You guys can push back on that if you feel so inclined. I would be interested in hearing um, some blind spots that I have. By the way, I was recently told that the blind spot is ableism. It's ableist. And I gotta, I'm, I really want to sit with that some more. I used to remember, this is how I felt when I would say, um, something is crippling me. And I don't like to say that anymore. I don't feel like that's ableist. So I say shackle. I'm shackled. I don't like that either because that makes me think about my ancestors being put on the slave slave uh, ship uh, and being moved about for auction, to be auctioned and sold. So I don't really like shackled either, right? And so this is what it means to be conscious of your words, right? And going back to the conversation about this voice community, I am all over the place right now this morning. I can so see it. Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> and it's, oh, my God. In this voice community, um, um, the guy that in one of the groups I'm in, he talks a lot about the language being from the oppressor. Like, and that's some of you may have a hard time with that. But we can say language is from the dominant group. So let's say that. And so as we try to talk critically and about justice, it becomes difficult sometimes when we're using the dominant language, the dominant ruling class language to, to talk about issues of liberation and justice and empowerment. Sometimes it's a conflict, such as saying shackled or... Um, crippled or blind spot. So blind spot is the latest thing I've been confronted with because I say it all the time, excuse my blind spot. And now I have to sit with that to see what I'm going to do with it. Um, because although I'm a critical race feminist, what I don't want to do is be swimming around in an echo chamber. Oh, and everybody in the circle talk. They say this thing, they believe this thing, and now I'm going to believe it. No, I don't want to do that. I want to be responsive to a community that can hold me accountable around mistreatments of power. Power as it shows up in language, yes. But I also don't want to become, I don't want to do groupthink. I do not want to do groupthink. I do not want to get trapped inside of an echo chamber. So I'm going to sit with the idea of blind spot, and until I do, I will use it. I'm going to use it until I, um, until I decide I don't, I shouldn't use it. So I'm using it as, um, let me just sit with this for a second. I'm using it as a place in my perception that I cannot see. I don't, and I think, okay, I can hear it. What's problematic po about it possibly is that. I'm saying blind spot as a problem as opposed to blind spot as an opportunity because people who don't see are 
looking at their ex their um, ex existence in the world as problematic. Okay, I can hear it. So if you say pri if I say blind spot as a way of talking through not being able to see something as a problem, then what I'm doing is problematizing people who can't see. I got it. I hear it. I can hear it. Still going to chew on it, but all right, all right. For now, I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to still think about it. I'm going to say an obstruction. An obstruction to my perception. What I don't like about obstruction, you guys, my dog just sighed. <laughs> so I'm just, to me, that's an indicator that you guys may be listening to me sighing. Like, I thought you were going to talk about friendship and spirituality. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. What I don't like about obstruction is that it denotes I know that there is an obstruction there. Obstruction becomes a thing. When you say blind spot, you don't know if it is an obstruction. You just know you can't see something. You don't know why you can't see it. But when you say obstruction... It's like you are aware that something, you are aware of the thing that's blocking your sight. Oh, this is complicated. It's not always easy being a critical race feminist. It really isn't. And having that sensitivity to constructs. And I often say race, sex, class, and sexuality, but language is another one. Another one that you, you look and understand how power shows up in language. So that's kind of what I've been in a rabbit hole doing. So anyway, okay, so I'm in two communities and um, two voice communities, and it's awesome. And I've been talking primarily about one. I want to come back and talk about that other one. I might touch on that if I can ever get be steady. I'm feeling really self-conscious right now. I don't know how horrible. It's been a long time since I've done a reflection and I felt it was horrible. So bear with me, you guys. Um, I hope these little random nuggets are still of value, though. Um, so in the primary, um, in the main voice community that I've been talking about around spirituality and justice, there are three of us in that community, that voice community. A white woman married to an Episcopal, I don't even want to say that, a white woman, a white man, and then me, a black woman. Um, there's more, I was going to like give uh, more details around our, our religious or spiritual affiliations, but uh, I'm not going to do that right now. But I will say that com that community has been going surprisingly, I was going to say well, but I don't want to say well. It has been feeding me. It has been feeding me. And the fact that I don't want to say it's been going well, even though it's been feeding me, is the whole point or one of the main points of why I hit the record button. 
Because this morning I realized I'm not there to be fed. And I don't even know if I'm there to be affirmed, as I said yesterday. And I think even when I was saying that yesterday, that felt a little weird for me. I don't think it's to be affirmed. I know that I'm not there. I know that I'm not going there to be challenged. I think I'm going there for community. I'm going there to be with other like-minded people because I don't get a chance to have that in terms of thinking. People who like to think about the world, people who like to go inward and think about their inner world, people who are also thinking critically about spirituality and not just doing religion because that's what they were told to do. That's me. I think about the outer world. I think about the inner world. And I am a person that thinks about spirit, but because I have an aversion to how people have treated religion, I don't, I don't really want to be affiliated with a religion at this point. Although I find myself wondering lately if that's what's going to end up happening as I continue to develop my own spirituality and become so confident in it and then is that going to make me religious? I don't know. I'm a little worried about that, but I'm not going to process that right now. So I'm going there to belong, to connect with other people who are like-minded. I don't get a chance to have that in the world. I do not have a chance. I don't get a chance to have like-mindedness. Okay. So I'm there. And... It's good. That part is really good. Because there is a lot of like-mindedness in this group. With just the three of us. Here's the caveat. In the like-mindedness, I'm finding that I have to challenge. Them. The white man, the white woman. And I don't even, and I'm also thinking about that voice community. I started back in 2018 uh, with NI Dons. I think that's how I fell in that rabbit hole because that's when I was giving, I'm like, oh, this thing called, after I moved from cognitive function FI, I went to cognitive function NI. And it was like a whole new world for me of understanding myself. And then when I put this group, I actually had two groups of NI Doms together. Um, it was powerful to really understand that driving function of, first of all, what does it mean to have a driving function? And then second of all, for your driving function to be introverted intuition, which is a very rare function. And to see it in other people and to have them talk about it and talk about their experiences, it was, it was really life changing. And I believe it was for the people in those groups. There was a conflict with me in the, in the, in, uh, in particular, in, in both groups. And, and, and it was a different type of conflict in each of those groups, but it was conflict. 
Because as an INTJ, there were, I was in a group with INFJs. And I learned a lot about that FE function as paired with NI and even the TE function as paired with NI. And interestingly enough, there was a TE person in that room, an INTJ. And I think we bumped heads too. And I think we bumped heads because she was doing something with her TE. She was younger. She was doing something with her TE that did not benefit the function of that group. And because she was a TE user, she was, she was going to, she was going to show up in her TE. And that's fine. But her TE had to match my TE. And as the person who created that group, I had a vision of what I wanted that group to produce, what I wanted it to be about. And so my TE met her TE and she went off skipping into the world. She ended up creating her own group. I didn't get invited to it. <laughs> That's fine. Um, and I think she took it personal. This is something I've talked about too. What happens when you have to share space with another per person who has your type, particularly an INTJ down an INTJ? What happens there? So I didn't have a problem with her remaining in my group. And I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even have a problem with her pushing back. You know, my T met her T. She could have pushed back. My T is pretty developed though. It's not, t, it's not developed in terms of extroversion. It, it's developed in terms of t extroverted thinking because of my profession. And the, just the work that I've done over the years and, and, and what I've studied. And so I was just talking about this to someone yesterday about people who are passive aggressive. And I just said, oftentimes people are passive aggressive with me because they can't match me. So they can't, like we were talking in this, I was in another conversation yesterday and we were talking about, um, you know, passive aggressive people should just like, why waste time holding it back and then acting out of that aggressive aggression in this passive way? Just be direct about it. Hey, say, hey, when you did this thing, I didn't like it. When you said this thing, I didn't like it. You need to do better. Um, confront the thing, even if you need time to figure out what's bothering you or how you want to approach it. Do that. But there are people who don't know how to approach. And even when they do, they have to then consider what the response is going to be. And passive aggressive people oftentimes don't want aggression coming back at them. They want to be aggressive, but they can't handle aggression returned. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with come doing, and this is the other thing that is possible that what I don't, I don't consider all things aggressive. I'm assertive. And sometimes people feel assertion is aggressive, right? So I guess that's, that's a, that's up, that's open for interpretation. I'm on, I'm, I'm on fire. You guys, I'm just, I'm just rambling. I'm just talking. Hopefully the ramble is good stuff. 
Because <laughs> earlier this week, I had nothing. I had nothing to talk about. That abyss was real. It, I was I was going to say paralyzed, right? Can't say that. Um, I was just, there was nothing. It was nothing. I could, all I could just say was nothing and everything all at the same time. But, um, so if, if, <laughs> so if a person in my assertiveness, if someone feels that my assertiveness is aggressive to their being, offensive to that, their being, and they don't like it and they want to give me what they, they feel a certain way. They want to give me the feeling that they have but they don't want to approach it head on because they don't want more of the feeling that they are having, <laughs> then they will resort to being passive aggressive. That's what passive aggression is. Somebody trying to cause discomfort but they don't, and they're trying to minimize their own discomfort. It's really a bitch-ass move. Excuse me. It's a bitch-ass move. But <laughs> I usually give you guys a warning when I'm about to curse. I'm, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but I just had to say it. Yeah, it's bitch-ass. <laughs> and as a feminist, I probably, I probably shouldn't say that either. Um, I should, I should name this episode. Words that you should not say as a critical race feminist. <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't. So in those, in that particular, one of the groups um, with the INTJ, she was doing something that was negatively impacting the purpose of the group. Not negatively impacting the people, per se, but the purpose of the group. So I had a conversation with her a couple of times. And she, INTJ, she considered herself smart, and I believe she really is. But her, she, she couldn't TE over me. And the reason why I'm saying that, because I, I believe her feelings were hurt. Because if her feelings weren't hurt when she started that other group, she would have invited me. Right? And here's the thing. I, I was able to confront her. She wasn't able to confront me. And this is something I do experience, right? I experience this. And I don't know if this is just about me being an INTJ. I think it's about me being an INTJ 8 trained and practicing in leadership, right? So I'm very comfortable with confronting when it's necessary. Now things happen. I don't have to confront. And now I'm going to circle this back to this voice community um, because I'm making some connections between these, these voice communities in terms of how I show up and how people experience me. Um, so maybe I am in the, even though it sounds like I'm doing a lot of randomness, maybe I am in the pocket. So this is what I think how people experience me. And this is what I struggle with. Because I am aware of this part. So in the first two groups, the voice, the voice communities that I created, 
I, I didn't worry about this because I felt like I had a responsibility. I am, I formed the group. I created an agenda. I invited people to that group for that agenda. And it was my job to maintain that. So I used my TE and my NINTE to maintain the form, the, the, the purpose of that group. There were people who came into that group who wanted to do things differently. Right? That's fine. I'm not even mad that you tried to create your own agenda. I wasn't going to have it though. I wasn't going to allow it. And I think that is, that was the problem. I, not, I wasn't apologetic of it. I was not going to. I, I closed, you know, I, I'm like, okay, we've reached, we've done what we're going to do. Now, if you guys want to move on and do something else, that's beautiful. Invite me into the space for your agenda. But that didn't happen. <laughs> I did not get invited into those spaces because I think that they were upset that I did not allow them to change the agenda. So this is, this is the J. This is what's going on. This is the J part of us. J is about controlling, controlling that outer space. So when you bring in INFJs and INTJs together, although we are all beautifully exploring that dominant function, we all are J's. We all want to have an impact on that outer space. What I do now moving forward when I create communities, we have an understanding of what my, what my role is. And so now I create, when I create communities, I have a better sense of that, especially if it's bringing J's together, right? This is, I had to learn this when I was hiring. So it, I changed my onboarding process. So now in this community that is formed with the three of us, and we're probably going to add people to it. We're going to get on a call next week because we're going to create a form. We're going to formalize this group. Um, we're talking about some structures. We're negotiating that. So we're co-creating this space together. Now, anytime someone comes into this group after we co-created it, they're going to have to conform, comply with the rules of the group. Or they don't become part of it. Huh. It's a J problem. I've talked about this. Um, the J, I think I called it J Impact. I did an episode in season three. I think I called it the J Impact. I don't think I called it the J Factor. The J Impact. And I just talked about what happens when you bring J's together. Right, all J's, <laughs> no P's. So my my double sister is a P. That's why she does well with 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 me and then my my younger sister. We're both J's, and that's why my younger sister and I we because who's gonna J the other J? Who's gonna J the other? Basically, who's gonna J the other? And I say J because. She says she's an INTJ. Sometimes she seems like an uh, an INFJ. Um, but she could. I, let me say this: she actually seems like an ENTJ more than an IN, uh, INFJ. She's definitely a J, and she's definitely an N. There's no doubt about that. 
So, um, and all I'm saying is when you come into, I'm talking about my sister now, or I'm talking about when I, when I create a group, when you come into a space that I've created, you can share your opinion. You can make a contribution. You can question me. You can even challenge me. I'm okay with all of that, but you're not going to take over. You will not take over. You will not silence me. You will not come on top of me and dominate me. You will not do that. Not in the space that I've created. No, you will not. So, <laughs> so I'm going to bring closure here. Believe it or not, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap something up. Right. Watch me. <laughs> I'm really challenging myself. So in this group that I'm this voice community, I believe that the, um, I believe all, both of the people are Jays, even though, oh, you know what? She did tell me her. She did tell me her type. She took the Myers-Briggs. She gave me her four letters. I don't remember. And now maybe she's not a J, but most educators, especially when she get into administration, once she get into leadership and in, in school leadership, most of us are J's, right? School leadership, administration, that's what we do, right? Um, so the guy is not an administrator, but he has been in leadership. And I think without a doubt, he's a J. So what's happening is his J and my J are bumping up against each other, but not in a way of conflict right now. Not, not now. I, I could see it happening. And this, and I think this is where I'm going to close and, and talk about spirituality and culture. Maybe later, or maybe maybe it wasn't even necessary. Some something is coming to me right now about that J and my J. Really, something is coming up for me and my J. I think I want to. I would love to do some reading about how J's interact with each other. Because I'm wondering if me being an eight intensifies my J. And what's so interesting, the interesting about it is that I don't see myself as a typical eight. I'm talking about an eight in the Enneagram system. Because most people look at, when they look at that profile, they're talking about a feeler eight. And I think a feeler eight is different from a thinking eight. An introverted eight is different from an extroverted eight. And then a, a mature eight is different from an immature eight, right? So the, all of this um, nuance that will make a difference. Um, so I don't use my in eight intensity to dominate people, at least not in my mind. But I can see it being perceived as such all the same. This is what my younger sister feels in me. She could feel it in me, even though I'm not trying to dominate her. Here's the point. This is what I struggle. This is the struggle. I don't even know if I want to say I struggle with it because I don't know if I'm ready to say it's a bad thing. If you are coming to me as a rational person, and you're doing what's called reasoning. I love reasoning. 
And when you present a gap, when I see a gap in your reasoning, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something about it. I'm assuming you want that because you're trying to be rational and talking to me out. You're trying to talk to me. You're trying to be rational. I want to say, oh, and I don't say, I don't say, I don't address the gap as you've got a gap there. You're wrong. I address it as you said this, but you also said this. I'm curious. Do you see that as a gap? What do you think? That's, that is something that, um, in cognitive coaching, it's really how you move people by getting them to consider their own behaviors. And it's in that introspection that we move, we move our behaviors. So I don't, uh, I, I think it's because I'm an, I think maybe because I'm an introvert, I don't know, maybe because of my training, but oftentimes when people show a gap in their behaviors, I just ask the question. Now, I will be honest, when you come and answer that question, if it, if there are, if it, <laughs> if it's not logical or if it's not rational, I'll continue to probe. If, you know, if you give me reasoning, I'm going to give you my reasoning. And then we're going to have a dialogue back and forth. And I know when people present that to me, when I do find people who are bold enough to do it or um, committed to doing it or for whatever reason they do it, I, I, I am deeply rewarded by that. I'm deeply fulfilled. I crave it. I crave somebody's ability to catch a gap in my own presentation. You guys hear me trying to do it to myself. Like, okay, I say I'm a critical race feminist. This is what I believe. Why am I using these words, right? And then I'm like, well, and I had to take myself through that process. I'm very okay with someone doing that in a way that allows me to be introspective. Now, somebody came to me and said, you're contradicting yourself. You shouldn't do that. No, that's not. Because that is, you're trying to change my behavior from the outside. I'm talking about changing behaviors from the inside through introspection. That's the type of change that is most sustaining. You telling me what to do is temporary. Unless you have the power to legislate and control my behaviors. But if you see an opportunity for growth and you really truly want me to have sustaining change, you're going to go inside and help me do some introspection. With You're going to try to help facilitate that. Now, that's a skill, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now, maybe that's a skill. Maybe that's why people don't do it. I don't know. So anyway, um, so in this voice community with at least one other Jay, I'm wondering about that lady now. But at least one other day, because he and I, we're in a, we're doing a lot of back and forth. And there's a lot of gap recognition between the two. And it's me doing it. I'm doing a lot of gap recognition. Recognizing the gap 
gaps in his presentation. And I'm feeling a little bit, I'm feeling a certain way about it. I don't even know what words to put to it. In yesterday's reflection, I talked about it being laborious. Like, I don't want to be the laborer in that group. And then I'm the one raising those gaps, presenting those gaps. And then, and they get to grow from that, but I'm not able to grow because they're not presenting gaps for me. Now, yesterday, something happened. Um, and I think I'm going to try to close here. I'm going to try to tell, tell this story. Quick story and close here, but I'm more than likely going to go over an hour. So something came up in our conversation. We're doing this voicing back and forth all day. And something came up. Oh, he acknowledged a gift in me. And he said, you've been able to move my thinking. So my work is in empowerment. Um, my name in this Vox community on this app is empowerment. And, um, cause I rarely use my name. <laughs> I rarely use my, my, what's called my government name. <laughs> um, and, uh, and he said, you really do empower. You really do. That's like a gift you have. He was like recognizing that that's something in me. And so I really appreciated him saying that. And I appreciated it. And I felt a little triggered by it. And most times when we say trigger, we think trigger in a bad way. I'm not going to say I was good triggered, but it definitely wasn't bad. I was triggered into asking some bigger questions about my, you know, you guys know that I've been, that work thing. Mm -mm. And, and I have a business that I am really struggling with. I'm really struggling with it. And we'll see. Because this is the time, this summer vacation is the time that I have to dedicate to it. We're going to really see. I'm going to really, I'm trying to really push through it. I gave myself a week to deal with the abyss from closing out the school year. This is the last day. Tomorrow I start work on my business full time for two months, full time working on my business. We will see what happens at the end of the summer. Not, I'm my, I want the business to be operational by summer of next year. In some capacity, but we're going to really see what the, dil- the, the dilemma is that I'm contending with by the end of this summer, because I'm going to dedicate a full-time schedule to the business and see what I'm going to discover about myself, because I feel like there is a struggle. And I was reading somewhere about INTJs needing to grow and needing to take on new challenges. And I've also talked about this too. INTJs can work themselves out of a job. If I, my, I'm brought on to make this thing more effective, it might take people a career to make that thing effective. I can go in there in four months and do that, which is what happened. I can do it right away. I can do it. <laughs> you know, that's my superpower as an INTJ. And with the eight, it's my boldness where somebody, another INTJ might be a little bit more slow. 
I'm like, yo, we gotta get this thing done. And I have, and I have a bold, I have, I'm probably bolder, bolder, you know, just have more, I probably have a little more intensity about it than an INTJ5. I don't know. If you're an INTJ5 and you want to push back on that, please do. I welcome you on that because I, I want to make sure I have this right. So anyway, um, so when he acknowledged, when he, I didn't even solicit this response from him, but he came to me on his own. Like I was like, I really think you do have a gift in for empowerment, because I you've got me to my thinking and my behaviors in a short period of time. You've helped me to learn some things about myself. He said, I'm 51 years old, and you were able to do that in a week. <laughs> so first of all, he didn't have to. That was a gift that he gave me. Because it was, it confirmed that I do, that is my super, that is something I'm really good at. And that is at the heart of my business. And so what it made me feel was, it made me feel convicted because it was like, okay, I do, I was reminded I do have this gift. This is my work. This is my calling. Yet I'm struggling with the business part. I woke up this morning thinking about it. I don't think I want to do the business of it though. I want to move into the gift part of me. I don't want to do the business part. And I really have to find somebody who wants to do the business part. It's as simple as that. But just even to do that, even to find a business partner who has the business side, is going to require me to do some work I don't really want to do. I'm not interested in doing it. And the thing is, here's here's what's really difficult for me, is I can do it. And I can do it fairly well. I won't say I'm gifted in business. I'm not going to say I'm gifted in business, but I can do it well. An INTJ can do anything we put our minds to. I can do it. And I think that's what's complicated for me because I can do it. I have done it. I've done it fairly well. And then it's confusing. But really, ultimately, what I want to do is just, I want to do the sweet spot. And am I being selfish? Am I being immature? Am I being irrational? And so he gave me some feedback yesterday. He called me idealistic. And sometimes you're idealistic, um, idealistic, idealism versus pragmatism, right? And he was like, it's not about doing what you, like the ideas, we can have ideas. And I've had and I feel like I get that a lot from white men. I don't know if that's a white man phenomenon, but I feel like I don't know if I've ever had a black man say I'm being idealistic or I, I don't. And I don't even know if I've had a white woman who said that the people who've told me when I've been confronted with have an idea of something and they were like, oh, you got to be pragmatic. Those have been white men. Huh, that's interesting. I want to chew on that. So that's what he did. He said to me yesterday. So here I opened up. He gave me this. He gave me this thing. It was a compliment, which is fine. And then I took that and I said, oh, wow, this is what I'm struggling with in my business. Instead of him helping me to um, move the business forward, he came and told me I was being idealistic. And we have to get through life by, sometimes it's not about the idea. Sometimes you, you got to just have a job. 
And I was like, whoa. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> All gloves are off here. You are not invited to come into my my spiritual space and tell me that I'm wrong. You don't, you don't have you're not you're not welcomed into that space because this this business is born out of my spiritual convictions. And then to be quite honest about it, I've actually prayed for God to take it away because I feel like it's a burden more than anything. Sometimes. Right now it does feel like a burden. It feels like it gets in the way. So here in the spiritual community, you want to now tell me to ignore my spiritual convictions? I said, that's not what I'm here in this. That's not what I'm in this spiritual community to do. And then so then I had to ask myself, I've been challenging him. Have I been challenging his spiritual convictions? Have I, have I told him to ignore his spiritual convictions? I don't believe I've done that one time. I've asked questions between if you say, if on Monday you talk about apples, being you're committed to apples. And then on Wednesday, you start talking about being committed to oranges. What I'm going to do is say, I noticed on Monday you were talking about apples, but today you're talking about oranges. What do you think? That, do you see that as a gap? What do you think about that? I will name the gap, put it in front of you, and then allow you to confront that. I would never go, you shouldn't be talking about uh let me tell you, you shouldn't be talking about apples or oranges. What you need to do is talk about bananas. We need to talk about bananas. I would never do that. Because, and I told him this, I said, you're imposing on me your values. Well, you, you've got kids. And I've always said, I don't know if I've ever said this to you all, but this is one of the reasons why I feel like I can't let the calling go for my business because I made sacrifices so I can be selfish about that calling. If it's about me living in a tent, eating peanut butter and jelly, because you guys know I was damn near close to that, I can do that because it's just me. I always tell my sister, we had this conversation. You got kids. You have a mortgage. Although I'm going to have a mortgage again. But that is one of the things about getting a mortgage. It's going to lock me in. It's going to lock me in more than being a renter. And then it's about taking care of that mortgage. And I've been trying. I mean, I really do want to buy a house. But that's one of the, that's one of the things I have to be very careful when I buy that house. what it's going to mean about my calling. Is it going to, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's going to be a relationship between the mortgage and the calling. So I need to be very careful when I go and buy my next house. So I, and I don't think that he meant any harm when he did that. And he came back and he admitted he was projecting. 
he he said he was projecting some things that he was struggling with um onto the into the conversation and that I get that that makes sense and I this is what I I'm why I have a fondness um for the process that we're going through because he you know he could have done some gaslighting and like I didn't do that but it makes me feel heavy because um I feel like I'm doing that all, I'm I feel like my skill set I, I worry. I really do. And I, I, this is what I'm worried about. I worry about that ability for me to see gaps. I see gaps at a heightened rate more than other people. So what I don't want to happen is that I'm the only one pointing out gaps. And you can't point out a gap in me because you don't, first of all, you don't see my gaps. I have them, but you don't see it. And then even if you do see it, you don't have the skills to help me to do the introspection, to help me come at it the way I would need. And then here's the other thing. Who the, who the, who am I? Who am I to say there's only one way to address gaps? Like maybe somebody might feel it's okay to have a more heavy hand in recognizing the gap. Right? A heavy hand, uh, like it. Out, um, in imposing an outer truth, noticing the gap, telling me what I should do with the gap. Stylistically, that works for some people. It doesn't work for me. And so, I think, I think I, I do worry about, I worry, what I don't want to happen is, I don't know. This is the struggle. Like, this is my J style. My J style may be different from your J style. I'm not going to do your J. If your J is about imposing your views on someone else, I'm not going to do that. If your J is about helping to inspire deep thinking and growth, I want to do that. And I don't even know if people understand the difference. I mean, they may understand the difference as you talk about it. But skill, <clears throat> but as a skill, I'm not sure if people know the difference. And this is, this is, this is the tough part. This is what I look for in friendships though. You know, and, and I think yesterday or the day before I talked about looking for people with shared values. That's true. But what if we have the shared, shared values and a different skill set? Because I believe this guy and I have same, the shared values. Absolutely. But even that's not enough. We don't have the same skills. And then am I being idealistic there? Like, oh, I'm only going to make friends with people who have my values and my skill set. Is that is that what I'm going to do? I just, I don't know. I just would rather... And I already talked about it. I'm not going to do anything where I'm inauthentic, right? And I do have that skills. I do have a set of values that I'm not going to compromise. And I do have a set of skills that can be intimidating to people if they don't have them. They can be. And then they resort to being passive aggressive or they resort to going away. And I do have a need for friends. I don't have a lot, I don't need a lot of them, but I do have a need for friends. And I'll say this and I'm done. 
I I think one of the things I've been wondering is if I can do friendships in predominantly white spaces, even white critical spaces, because while there are there's this huge white community of critical thinkers, critical race theorists, even critical race feminists. There's a huge white community. Because of their whiteness, the way race is treated, they're going to have, they still are operating with a number of obstructions. Places that they cannot see. They can't see them because of what whiteness is about. The nature of whiteness, not the nature of who they are as humans, but the political nature of whiteness is about living in an echo chamber of a particular reality. Now you come into into contact with somebody who's not in that echo chamber who doesn't have that reality, someone who's good about naming things, I'm going to say, ooh, did, did you see that? I saw that. Did you see that? And I'm going to do it not because I feel like I'm right. I'm going to do it because you and I say we have the same values. We're committed to the same outcomes. This is what we want. So then I'm going to show it to you. And then all of a sudden you're like, damn, damn. And I'm in a space where I'm now pointing that out. And it's sucky. It's sucky as it relates to friendship building. So I woke up this morning saying, maybe I can't do friendships with critical white folks. Isn't that sad? Maybe I can't do friendships with critical white feminists. I don't want to say that, but that's what I will. I questioned this morning. So what is that going to mean? Because by their whiteness, they are going to have those, um, those blind spots. They are going to have them. And if we take this conversation to the beginning, maybe those blind spots aren't problematic at all. Maybe they're not problematic. Who says a blind spot has to be a problem? I don't know. But as a person that is looking to build friends, like-minded friends, it is a, it is a problem for me. And then I thought this morning, maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe I need to check myself. Maybe I should just be okay with all of it. But for whatever reason, it feels antithetical in my agenda for friendship building. Which no one says we were in that group to make friends. So we, when we get together next week and the three of us, we form like the, the structure for this group. We're going to negotiate a lot of those things. I think I'll feel better once we have it clear what we're doing and what we're not doing. Because then once it's clear, then I can regulate myself. Like, oh, you got to let that one go because this, this is not the nature of this group. But I think they're, they, they, this is what I think they're doing. They're saying, these are my values. This is what I want. But they don't know what it really means in terms of be, their behaviors. Because their, their whiteness has put them in an echo chamber. Even when, like I said to them, Earlier this week, I said, you should probably put yourself in a space where you're the minority. Oh, I've done that. 
They both said it. They both were like, oh, I did it. And then as I listened to their examples of being the minority, I just shook my head. I didn't say this to them. I kept this one to myself. They weren't in the position of minority and they were without power. And that's something that I needed to to delineate. You could be the minority and still have, have power. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there are examples in the, across the globe of of places where whites are the minority and they're still in control. So I, I, I was, I was in my facilitation. That was the wrong question. That was that was the wrong contribution. It just so happens the minority group that I'm a part of doesn't have power, but you can be in a minority group and still have power. And so, and what is that going to be? What does that mean to me in a person as a person who's been looking for to make friends with like-minded people? I would, I would, I'm craving to have friendship with other critical theorists who aren't just theorizing, who want to walk the walk. And that's what these two people in this group, that's what they want to do. They want to walk it. They don't want to just theorize it. That's why when I bring up, I I ask questions about a gap, like, hey, this is what I see. What do you see? And they're like all over it. But it's taxing. And I, I, I am close in. I read this about INTJs and relationships. We can be quite taxing in a relationship because we're always pointing out we're always trying to improve. Well, you don't improve unless there's a problem. So we're always pointing out problems. That's, that's taxing. I woke up this morning. There's gonna have, I'm gonna have to have a tolerance. I'm gonna have to build a tolerance for gaps if I want to do friendships. Oh, this is interesting. What do you guys think about that? I'm gonna have to increase my tolerance for gaps, to see gaps and sit with them and not say a damn thing about it. If I truly want to grow in friendships and, you know, ultimately in another relationship. So who's going to want to be in a relationship with somebody who's, who keeps seeing gaps? And I was, again, I was reading about, I was reading about introverted intuition, um, particularly INTJs. They say we have like this gifted ability to see things. We, and we're problem solvers. So we see problems. We see opportunities at a heightened level. That is insane for another person to experience at an intimate level. And I've got to figure that out. You guys, this was a really windy reflection. It was all over the place, but I think it all connected for me. I think this is really what I needed to consider. This is not really about doing friendships in predominantly white spaces. What was that? It's not really about culture and spirituality. What was the other one? There were three things I started off with. I cannot remember that third one. Of course, I'm going to hear it when I go back and listen to it. But there were three considerations I had hit. I started with the record button. I don't, I think, and I said it was about, I said maybe I wanted to land at being transracial. I don't even think it's about that. I think it's going to be, it's about me. Am I 
going to build a tolerance for sitting in the gaps with people who are like-minded, who are going to have those gaps. I should say people. I'm talking about white people. Then I'm like, okay, do I? Well, then where are the black, where are the black, um, where are the black people <laughs> who are critical theorists? That's a whole separate conversation. I'm going to explore that. Because that would seem to be, in, in in one regard, you would say, well, just go get you some black friends who are critical race feminists. And that's fine, too. I'm not opposed to that. But in terms of opportunity, they they just haven't crossed my path yet as, as frequently as haven't crossed my path in terms of where I'm at in the world. And I believe most African Americans who are critical race, race feminists are at the at the academy, or they're attorneys, so they're not educators. And I interact with a lot of educators. And unfortunately, because I'm reading an article that talks about uh, the, the decline of African American educators, I've knew I've known that there has been a drastic decline in Black educators since the segregated era. What I didn't know is that there's been a 40% decline in black educators in the last 10 years. That's almost since I've been a doctor. And which feels like yesterday. That in the last 10 years, there's been a 40% decline in black educators. Well, that's why I'm, so I'm, I'm, as I move into critical race, uh, critical spaces with other educators, that's why I'm not running across African Americans. This this whole matrix thing, I mean, it is it is all interconnected. But I'm not going to worry about that that outer part. Now I'm going to just focus. I'm going to close on the inner part. The inner part is me. I guess learning to sit with the gap or doing more to go find other African Americans who are critical. Race feminists. So maybe both of those assignments are true for me. But even then, I still think I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to increase my tolerance for the gap. I'm going to have to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to start doing some more reading. Maybe I'll contact some people from YouTube who do coaching. Maybe they can help me because I genuinely don't know how I'm going to do. How am I going to sit with the gap? So... Hey, you guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If this conversation about recognizing gaps, experiencing gaps, naming gaps, um, um, language to denote gaps, um, contests in the gaps, like how do you confront the gaps and, um, Contests that are addressed by way of thinking versus feeling that turns that can turn into some passive aggression, right? Um, if any of that, I think this has all been about gaps in this really weird way, huh? And this app is not going to allow me to name the episode as gaps because I'm going to say it's too short. <laughs> but I would love to just name it. I can't say the gap because it's not one gap, right? Several gaps. 
what do you do in the gaps? But if this conversation about any of that, if it were, if it uh, relates to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. Some of you are doing that, I can tell. Thank you very much. If my moving about in my in this random windy reflection, because it was a lot of randomness and windiness. If it's caused some randomness in you, please share that with me. <laughs> I would love to say it was worth it. Um, you can find me on my website at youranidom.wordpress.com. Twitter, youranidom1. Facebook and YouTube, youranidom. Let me give you your assignment. I don't know if I have the right way to frame the question, so let me say it one way and then fix it. What is your relationship to the gap? To your own obstruction or your own blind spot. See, the hard part is that we don't know when we have them. We don't know when we have them until we have to bump up against them or someone calls it out. So I don't, I don't even know how to tell you to do an introspection on that. One thing you could do is go ask somebody, ask some people that you trust. Do you think I have, do you think there are things I just can't see that are important to me? Not things that I can't see that are important to you or another person, but things that you can't see that would be important to you, that would be helpful for you to see in terms of whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish in the world. You're trying to accomplish something in the world. There may be things that you can't see that you need to see. What mechanisms do you have that will help you get to that? Remember, I gave you this quadrant yesterday. I think it was yesterday or two days ago about things you know that other people don't know, things you know that other people know, things other people know that you don't know, and things you don't know and other people don't know, right? That unknown space for you, what mechanisms do you have in your life to know the unknown spaces? What mechanisms do you have? For me, I go and do a lot of, when I'm struggling, I do a lot of reading. That helps me. But oftentimes, I don't even know that I'm struggling in an unknown to go read. This is one of the things that my tertiary FI does for me. If I, when I pause and I pay attention to being uncomfortable, that tells me I'm bumping up against something. So I think I think I have an internal wiring that will let me know, but I'm not always zeroed in on paying attention to my FI, my tertiary function. But maybe that's a reflection we should do together. How can the tertiary function help us in those obstructions, in those in those blind spots, in the unknown? So I'm going to think about blind using the word blind spot. I do see it. I can understand it as being problematic, but I can also see controlling the word so it's not problematic. So I'm going to do some, some homework. That's going to be my homework. But your homework assignment is what mechanisms do you have in place to learn about your blind spots, to learn about your gaps, to learn about your unknowns, okay? There's more way I can give you with that assignment. Like, then what do you do with it when you do, when you are confronted? But I think right now the bigger question is, what mechanisms do you have in place to learn about what you don't know? To learn about your un unknowns that are significantly getting in the way of achieving the things that you want to achieve in the world.
you guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. This has been a long reflection, so I'm sorry, but I was, I was, it took me a minute to get into the pocket, but I got there. Hopefully you're still listening. <laughs> you may have just connected a long time ago, but anyway, it has been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.